Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton and Chad Withrow. Just like that, the final hour is here. OutKick 360 rolls on. Hutton with you, Withrow, under the weather. Hopefully back with us tomorrow. Get well soon, Chad. Um, Plenty of headlines out there. Sean Payton is the new head coach of the Denver Broncos. The Broncos are sending a first-round pick this year at the first-round pick that they received in exchange for Bradley Chubb to Miami and a second-round pick next year to New Orleans for the contract of Sean Payton, which will be adjusted to whatever Payton's demands were, and a fourth-round pick in compensation. Uh, That is for next year, not this year, excuse me, a third-round pick from New Orleans next year. Uh, All of that uh, coming down over the last hour. D'Amico Ryans is the new head coach of the Houston Texans. And that leaves us with Arizona, new general manager, uh, and Monty Ossenfort going through their hiring process and the Indianapolis Colts who have the hiring process that will never end that everyone expects Jeff Saturday uh, will ultimately land. We'll find out more on that, certainly. And it seems like it's going to happen fast. Uh, Trey Wallace joins us in about 20 minutes, and we'll dive into the headlines from Mobile. That's where the NFL is this week for the Senior Bowl. Plenty to discuss with him from Outkick.com. And joining us from the site right now, Mark Harris. Plenty of uh, articles and posts uh, from Mark over the last 24 to 48 hours and some crazy videos you've got to go see. Mark, thank you for the time, man. And um, uh, the craziest I've seen on the site today involves a 22-year-old impersonating a 13-year-old and actually playing in a JV game. Hope you're doing well. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, when I when I saw the the story break, I was like, oh, it's going to be one of those stories where um, we unfortunately don't have video of it. Right. But, uh, but thankfully, we did get video, and the video is uh, – Pretty unbelievable. It's it's as, it's about as crazy as you you could imagine a twenty two year old playing against girls that are barely teenagers. And I mean, it, she's driving the lane off the glass. She's you know and one. She's giving the and one sign like count it. I'm going to the line. I mean, digging in behind the scenes on this, how does this come about? And I mean, it, just thinking of it from the perspective of everyone in attendance knew to film this. Um, yeah, that, how, I, how did this? How is this allowed? About. Yeah, it's it's unbelievable. So the story goes that this the 13-year-old girl was out of town playing a, a travel, I guess, AAU game, let's call it. Um, and frankly, this 22-year-old sounded like she just saw an opportunity to get buckets. So the first thing that I kind of <laughs> saw was the first thing I kind of looked for was the bench. So I was like, okay, maybe this, maybe she played because they were short a girl, but they yeah. had a player on the bench. So they actually had five players to play. This is a JV game. Nobody cares about it regardless. So if they have to play five people for however long JV basketball games are these days, 48 minutes, whatever it is, um, they could have done it. 
and they decided not to. And this 22 year old Arlisha Boykins and from Churchland High School um, decided to take the court. And like you said, like kind of the first highlight, she swats a girl's ball so hard that it goes out of frame. The next highlight is her getting an and one and doing the the finger yeah, down, yeah. As, you know, as like she's the NBA player, something you would see LeBron or something do um, after a big play. But it was it, it's a sight to behold. Here is the uh, the news report uh, with with video on the 22 year old assistant coach uh, impersonating the 13 year old player on the court. All right, file this one under one of the strangest stories I've ever heard of and talked about. Last Friday, we received an email from the mother of a player on the Churchland High School girls JV basketball team that an assistant coach on the team named Arlisha Boykins impersonated a 13 year old player on the team that was out of town for a club basketball tournament. Here's video from that game. Churchland is in the black uniforms. Number one right there that just came up with the black block shot. We're told that as Arlisha Boykins, they were taken on Nansman River. Uh, this video has been edited to show you some of the highlights. Uh, Arlisha is apparently a 22-year-old young woman going up against 14 and 15-year-old girls. Now, we have confirmed that Boykins is no longer an employee of Portsmouth Public Schools. And since this game, the student athletes on the team and parents decided to just end the season. They will not be playing any more games this year. Portsmouth Public Schools did launch an investigation into this matter. The details have not been revealed by officials quite yet. Now, I spoke with the father of the 13-year-old girl that was being impersonated. Here's what he had to say about his reaction when he heard the news. Coaches, you know, always preached to this kids you know about integrity and those type of things so i was just shocked I, I just need you know an apology you know because i haven't yet received one from you know the overseer of the program or nothing you know he just came out and just told us the stipulations of what was going to happen but there was no apology issue personally to us even in his presence. We're going to follow up with this story. If more information comes out, uh, those parents told me today that they are simply just seeking an apology from Churchland School officials. Only an apology needed. Mark Harris continues with us on Outkick 360. If she's dominating in the video, by the way, you can see it at Outkick.com. Uh, she's dominating the way Leah Thomas would dominate in the pool, Mark. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And to your point earlier about like, you know, thank goodness they filmed it. Clearly, Naisman River High School in Virginia takes their basketball pretty seriously if they're they're filming the JV games and breaking it down after uh, after games. But yeah, like I said, it's a sight to behold, and it, it's it kind of unfortunate, kind of a weird ending to the story too about the the student athletes and the parents being like, "All right, we're we're done with this." Um, and uh, the report also says that the girl that she impersonated no longer wants to go to school there, which. Mm. I don't necessarily blame her. Um, there's a lot to live up to now. The girl that got in person. Yeah, there's. <laughs> you're not the. Uh, you're not the 22 year old that put up. Who who God knows who. I wish we had the stat line, but uh, unfortunately, we don't have the box score of the JV game. Yeah. Uh, yes. Exactly. Uh, that was probably her role. Her. She was supposed to keep the sheet, the game sheet, and uh, instead she suited up. Uh, Mark Harris with us from Outkick.com. Treegate is uh, another headline uh, out there for uh, in golf, and it's. Involving the same rivalry uh, that has, you know, dominated headlines over the last week or so with Rory McIlroy and Patrick Reed. Uh, Reed uh, was he caught cheating again? Because, well, his, his answer, his response to the cheating allegations, Mark, not all that great. In fact, I think it makes him look even more guilty. Yeah, it's it's not a bad look, and kind of the simple question, like you said, is. 
did he get caught cheating? And gosh, the slow-mo video that Brandle Chamblee, who works for Golf Channel, who Patrick Reed is suing yep. um, in a massive defamation lawsuit. Um, yeah, it doesn't look great. The The story goes that the week started off with T-Gate, with Rory getting a tee tossed at him by Patrick Reed. The media <laughs> ran with that, including myself. It wasn't really a, it wasn't really a throw. It was more of a toss, but it was it was a it was a heck of a story. But and they don't but they don't like each other, gate. so that that means more, no. you know. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. I'm all for the drama. Keep yeah. it coming. Um, but yeah, in the third round of the Dubai Desert Classic, he hits a tee shot into a group of three trees, um, and they get lodged at the top of a palm tree. Golf balls get stuck up there, as you can see in this photo here. And it was um it was interesting because. Patrick Reed claims that the ball went into the third tree of the three, which are separated by a good 10 to 15 yards. Um, these aren't like that close of trees. The slow-mo video that Shambly did a really good job of breaking down shows that the ball very clearly went into the first tree. Okay. And then, as to you alluded to, Patrick Reed put out a statement today about 48 hours later saying that he wasn't, he wasn't responsible for locating the tree that it went into. He just had to identify its golf ball. So basically, he's pinning it back on the DP World Tour and the officials saying that they looked for my golf ball and they claimed to have found it in this tree. So I wasn't going to, you know, argue this. And the big deal here is if he didn't identify his golf ball in the tree, he would have had to go back to the tee and re-tee playing his third shot. Instead, he drops it underneath the tree as an unplayable, plays his third from there, makes bogey. Um, and the it, it kind of sucks that the the tournament was overseas in an eight hour time difference. Yeah. Um, because it was a heck of a tournament. Rory wins by one over Patrick Reed with two birdies on the last two holes. So it was it was a heck of a week. The golf gods surely blessed us this week. Yeah, but yeah, who finished third? Do you know? I don't know. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Davey, know. Davey will text me in a moment. But to me, that's yeah. that's the big contention is like if the the prize money and the differential based on what could have been a penalty. Uh, having to go back and, and tee it up again instead of just making bogey on that. And, and here's the other thing. Like, uh, Chambly is pointing to, and he's not wrong if you think about it. He's like, these trees are likely littered with Titleist Pro V1s. So if you're playing a Pro V1, you can just point to it and say, yeah, that's my golf ball. And uh, Patrick is like, I just got extremely lucky in, in finding mine. Uh, which, you know, is it likely that that's the only golf ball in the tree? Probably not. Right, exactly. And all these guys, 95% of them are playing at Pro V1. Um, they all mark them with a specific marking or they have their initial on it, whatever the case may be, which can be unique to your threesome or your twosome playing that that afternoon. But if you've got 60 golf balls, I mean, you can see in the video where there's there's 15 golf balls in that tree alone. I'm going to guess that yeah. 10 of them are Pro V1s regardless. So, yeah, I mean, you can call it a lucky break. Um, you you would like to give Reed the benefit of the doubt, but that's that ship has sailed uh, many many moons ago with how many kind of allegations that have surrounded him in the in the cheating space. Where, where would you put him on the unlikable meter in golf? I, I've heard uh, he's not the the most well liked uh, professional on tour. Yeah, he's he's right up there towards the top. Um, most casual or like diehard golf fans would probably rank him number one. <laughs> Um, but the thing is, too, is he's this isn't like a 250th ranked golfer in the world. Like Patrick Reed has a green jacket. Yeah. He has nine wins on tour. Um, when he's on, he's absolutely I would put him as a top 25 player in the world. His his short game is unbelievable. It saved him. That's how he won the green jacket. Um, he's a, he's an unbelievable player. He's just very unlikable. He's kind of like a 
Stetson Bennett kind of guy. He's good, um, but he's kind of an unlikable guy, just the kind of way he carries himself from the moment he got on tour, even back to his college days. Um, he's just not been um, uh, easy to root for, I guess. He, he's, he's, he tends to rub people the wrong way with um, the way he kind of talks and handles himself and all this this stuff that seems to always follow him around. And McElroy's on the opposite end of that, especially with the way he's handled everything by backing it up, uh, even on the range last week, right, With it, in regards to the live tour and his disdain for the players that have done that. Yeah, he's he's become the the unofficial spokesperson for the tour, Rory. Um, he's always been very candid with the media, but this past you know eight, 12, 18 months, when Liv was even just a rumor, he was the first to slam it. Um, he, but he's he's uh, he's tame with his responses and the fact that he knows in the, in today's world of golf that maybe the two need to come together and all this kind of stuff. But he also wants adults in the room. Um, which he is claiming that Greg Norman, the CEO of Live, is not acting like an adult. So they have to get all this stuff. Um, he's a smart guy. Roy's not a dumb guy. There's a reason he makes hundreds of millions off the golf course on top of the golf course. Um, he knows what he's talking about. And yeah, they're, like you said, they're complete polar opposites in this, which makes it fun, right? I mean, if these were two guys that were kind of tame and it's just kind of a run-in scuffle, you, all, you also have the Ryder Cup stuff. They've had Ryder Cup matches together. They have one of the best ever a few years ago where they went back and forth. Um, so they've got a history, which just adds to the entertainment factor of all this, which is in today's world. I mean, that's you need that in golf, right? Well, I, Mark Harris with us. I'm curious, like everyone's got a price. What would McElroy's price be since he's doubled down so much here? I'm not sure. I mean, it's it's got to be well north of, I don't know, 500 million, maybe. I mean, I mean that's just a number I'm tossing out. But it's like I said, he this yeah. guy doesn't need the money. Right. He's got he's he's very settled in. He's won everything but a green jacket. Um, he's got a family now. I mean, he's he's set for life. Um, so it's just kind of like the Tiger situation. He's set for life off the golf course. So why would you why would you go over there for a couple under a couple hundred more million? I, and I, I hope he does it now, just based on uh, the the flag that he's flying there on behalf of the PGA. Um, and, and with that in mind, who's the second? Who's like second in command of this leadership role among active players from the PGA perspective? Uh, prob- I'd probably put Justin Thomas up there. Um, just kind of that young, okay. that young core group. Um, Scotty Scheffler's up there. Yep. Um, I'd put Tony Finau. He's he's been pretty devout to the PGA Tour. Um, Justin Thomas is another guy, but it, he you know he'll speak his mind. Jordan Spieth is another one. Just kind of that core late twenties, early thirties um, group of guys that. They've, they've won a lot of money on the PGA Tour, and they're happy where they are on the PGA Tour. And from the PGA perspective, I wonder what the pitch was initially that got them to respond the way they did because others took the bag. Right, right. I think it's just – I think it's a safety thing, right? I mean, they've, they've made a comfortable amount of money, and they know that there's no risk in staying with the Tour as far as the tournaments they want to play. They're, they're going to get into the players, and they're going to get into the four majors if they're eligible and they, you know – get into those majors if they um, qualify for them. And that's the the flip side of live is we don't, we know that Augusta and April live golfers that are eligible. So Patrick Reed will play in the masters barring an injury or whatever. Um, he will be there because he has a green jacket and that's how it works. If you win there, you can play in the masters till the day you die. And I'm sure he plans on doing that just like Phil Mickelson. Um, so yeah, we'll see those guys there, but that's kind of the the big hindering point for the live guys. You know, uh, what, a week and a half, two weeks ago, live announced that they're going to be on the CW. If it's CW or no distribution, is that really validation that you're getting TV distribution or 
do I, I mean, I looked at it and I thought, that's it. I was expecting something uh, grander than what it ended up being. And I, there's got to be some streaming things to this as well, where they can continue doing what they were doing. Yeah, they're. That the uh, the CW network was not on my bingo card for the right. home of Live Golf for the next for, couple or, for, years for um, anything really. Yeah, exactly. Besides, you know, the, whatever <laughs> they're probably remaking One Tree Hill or whatever on the CW, <laughs> that kind of thing. That would um, get me to tune in. But yeah, yeah. So they're gonna stream. <laughs> they're gonna stream the um, the first round of Live on the app, and then the second to the weekend round, Saturdays and Sundays, they'll be on the their app. Who knew the CW had an app? They have an app, by the way. Yeah, and um, we know who it's be, owned by now too. Streaming on the thing as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So no more YouTube. So, um, yeah, it, it's yeah. It'll it'll be YouTube. Okay. I'm sure. I'm I'm assuming it'll. I guess. Well, maybe not. I guess it won't still be on YouTube because they're going to want you to, to go to the CW. Um, but my big thing with like this new season of Live, um, more money, more events, is for the people that have been keeping up with it. It's no longer the new thing, right? Like the CW, sure, they'll get some more casual fans in that may tune in. Um, maybe they get a couple of big names to join. They haven't announced any big names. Um, today, Sebastian Munoz, is, he's a top 100 player in the world, but he's he's not going to get viewership, um, like, you know, a name that you would recognize. He's going to make the jump to live golf. But it's 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 not new anymore, and they're going to have to they're going to have to switch something up, or you're just going to have this divided crowd of, you know, you're going to get your – you know, streaming numbers last year, you're 15,000 people to watch a tournament over in London compared to, you know, a few million watching the Honda Classic in a couple of weeks and on the PJ Tour. So it's going to be an interesting thing to see what the uh, what it looks like this year, if anything different, even with, like you said, even if they're on a network. Yeah. Uh, by the way, uh, Rory won the tournament at 19 under. Uh, as you mentioned, Reed is, is runner up 18 under. It was uh, Lucas Herbert, or is it Herbe? Uh, Mark, you'll know. I, I think it's, I think it's, I, I've heard people do it both ways. You know, Herbe, it's one of those names where you can, yeah. Herbe, Herbe, Herbe sounds better. Herbe, yeah, it does. Uh, it sounds like you finished third if you're Lucas Herbe. Uh, and it sounds like you mm -hmm. would have some pull and, uh, and some, uh, opportunity to point out that the golf ball would in tree number one, not tree number three in terms of tree gate. Um, and he finished 16 under Reed finished 18 under. For the tournament, he's Australian, so there you go. Yeah, there you go. He could. Oh, uh, I've, heard, I've heard the name. I just, you know, Patrick Reed and Roy McIlroy dominated. So I, I was after that. I was, I was kind of tuned out. What happened after that? <laughs> well, maybe he's headed to live golf if he's not already. Who knows? <laughs> based on, uh, based on the money that he can make up there. I, I wonder what the difference was in the payout. Uh, leave us with this, Mark. Another uh, column at Outkick. Uh, Jim Beheim. What uh, arrogant answer did he give? to a very fair question. Yeah, so Syracuse played Virginia last night, um, and I think the fourth or fifth leading minutes getter for Syracuse wasn't even in the building. He didn't – he's not there, um, wasn't on the bench with Syracuse or anything, and reporters simply asked him the question uh, where – I think his name's Benny Williams. If I'm getting that wrong, I apologize. That it was, you know, the fourth man off the, off the, the team minutes-wise wasn't in the building and Jim Beheim wasn't having it. He was like, that's, the, that's your most important question to ask after we lost um, to Virginia, this kind of thing. And then he kind of pauses and he goes, I'll answer your question, but I don't really like your attitude about it. So it's one of those things where I think most would agree in the college basketball yeah. world that Jim Beheim's his, his clock is, is, has ticked already. Probably he's 78 years old. He's been at Syracuse. Gosh, probably since I've been alive. 
um, which is he's you know he's done unbelievable things there, won national titles, but it, it seems like that was another thing where it's just like okay, this guy's it's, it's time to go. Which Syracuse isn't probably going to force him out because he's a legend. But if they miss the tournament this year, it'll be two in a row that they haven't made the tournament. So uh, it'll be interesting to see kind of. As you know, that that rabid fan base, Syracuse, oh, all no, they no. got up there is basketball. So we'll we'll see what happens. And they're thirteen and ten. You've got the blue bloods of college basketball right now that are not represented really uh, in these rankings. Yeah. It's odd to see like the top ten, and where the, the 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 logos associated with the brands of college basketball right now are not the traditional brands. Uh, Bayheim's one of them. Syracuse is one of them at thirteen and ten. And you mentioned NCAA tournament on track to miss it for for two consecutive seasons. Valid question, and you. By the way, you you crushed it on Benny Williams. That's exactly who it was. Um, oh, that was right. Yeah, and um, I mean, think about this. At thirteen and ten, you got to come up with some questions like that, right? If you're the reporter. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's better. It's, than, I mean, it's not like he was a. It's not like he was the eleventh guy off the bench. This is a guy that plays twenty four minutes a night. Yeah, I mean, if you push back on questions like that, you're going to be asked if you're going to be forced out by Syracuse. Right, like that's that's coming. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't like that exactly. question, it could get tougher. Uh, Bayheim's oh, yeah. face yeah, tougher I'm, too. Uh, he became the head yep. coach in 1976, so he's been there as long as I've been around too. There you go. Yeah, he was. Uh, I was minus 16 in 1976, so he's got me. All right. Well, luckily I I'm not that old either. Uh, but uh, <laughs> Bayheim uh, aging out, it seems, uh, with at least the crankiness uh, and his pushback against the media. Mark Harris has been our guest. You can read all of his work and see the videos we've discussed, including the 22-year-old impersonating a 13-year-old in a uh, a game uh, where she dominates. It reminded me, um, next time we have Withrow here, well, hopefully tomorrow, we'll see. Next time you're on with us, he's got to tell the story of uh, he was posted up against Stacy Shell, I believe is her name, and he is just swatting... Uh, Shot attempts, out of bounds, layup attempts. Um, he always references this. This video reminds me of that. When you see the the arrogance of the 22-year-old uh, facing off against 13. Uh, by the way, the, she must look 14 or 15 years old to pull this off. Right. Yeah. And she, it's not like she was six foot four out there playing. I mean, but she does tower over are, them, though. Yes. Yeah, and like the the block on the first highlight, yeah, she yeah. swats it out of the frame, and she I, she probably doesn't get about two inches off the ground. She didn't have to move really. <laughs> um, it was uh, it, I, I couldn't believe it, and I, like I said to start off, I'm, I'm glad that there was uh, video highlights because most stories like that you never see the video, it never sees the light of day. But credit to that high school for putting the video out. Yeah, great job with this as well on your end. We appreciate it, man. As always, keep up the great work. Absolutely. Thanks, man. Yeah, Appreciate you. Mark Harris, outkick.com is where you can find more uh, great videos and posts just like the ones we were discussing there. Coming up, we are headed down to Mobile. More Outkick coverage where the Senior Bowl, first day of practice taking place, uh, a list of college head coaches in attendance. We have a list of player representation and now NFL coaches on hand to observe and interview. Trey Wallace is there for OutKick. We'll get his observations and big headlines from the NFL gathering in Mobile. That's next. Live coverage from the Senior Bowl and OutKick 360. Oh, thanks to Mark Harris for You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! 
Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Joining us, Outkick 360 rolls on across the Outkick Network live at 6th and Peabody with Ehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Hutton with you, joined by Trey Wallace of Outkick.com. Senior Bowl practices underway officially. We had uh, Jim Nagy on the show yesterday to circle back to a story that Trey wrote about and broke with regards to Stetson Bennett, executive director of the uh, Reese's Senior Bowl. He Clarified some things uh, yesterday for us. Trey, hope you're doing well. Hope uh, it's not too cold outside. It's actually, it's been hot in my hometown, which is weird. The sun came down, so I was like, all right, let me throw a hoodie on. Yeah. But was not expecting to come down to my hometown of Mobile and it being 75 degrees outside. So this is kind of a turnoff of being here, to be honest with you. It's all good, though. Uh, I'm I'm envious, though, uh, based on the weather here in Nashville and uh, in many cases across the country. Um, so Stetson Bennett was extended the offer to join, uh, not officially as you reported, uh, but Jim Nagy said, yeah, we did ask him if he wanted to come. He declined. Uh, meanwhile, they made an exception for Hendon Hooker, who is able to make an impression on NFL organizations this week down there in Mobile. He's recovering from the ACL injury and the surgery. But Jim Nagy said, hey, uh, he he earned the opportunity based on his play to be here. We're making that injury exception, and we normally don't do that. And in comparing the two, he was saying that he believes that's going to go a long way for NFL organizations that are looking for guys who can come in and be a quality backup. I don't I don't disagree. I, I think, you know, in, in regards to the Stetson situation, you know, Stetson was in town, you know, last week and was having yeah. talks with the senior bowl and their reps. Um, you know, you can go officially, unofficially all you want. Um, but the senior bowl said, Hey man, we would love for you to be a part of this. Come on down. And he turns it down. And then, and then you have a guy like Kendall Hooker who is in the middle of rehab. Let's not forget this. Like he's down here in Mobile uh, he's in the middle of rehab. I mean, he was on the field a bit ago in a big old brace that you would see, you know, from an ACL injury or a surgery, post-op, stuff like that. And he's down there in the huddles. Uh, he's down there talking to coaches along the sideline. He is engaged in the conversation that is going on on the field. Um, and, and, and speaking, one of the story that will come out tomorrow, uh, don't want to give too much away, but he's, he's close, Hutt. From he, he, I was told he, he just told me two weeks, two weeks away from being able to put weight on that leg, a hundred percent weight is what he told me. So if he's two weeks away from that, and then he told me earlier in the day uh, that he hopes to start running in March. So this is the kid that is taking full advantage of an opportunity like the Senior Bowl, and I, I hate to compare the two. Yeah, like Stetson and Hendon, or if Stetson would have been here, he wouldn't have got a public intox charge in Dallas, which is true. But you know, they're two different types of stories. For Hendon, he he sees this as an opportunity. Okay, look, I can talk to all these NFL teams. 
Uh, I can still rehab at night while I'm here with trainers and whatnot. He brought his own trainer, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and and being able to go through this type of stuff and and sit down like this, this is not easy for folks think for folks thinking that these players come down to Mobile and they meet with different teams and they ask them cookie cutter questions. You know what what's it like to read an offense or what was it like under Josh Heupel? Can you read this defense? No. These are hardcore questions. This is about what your girlfriend was doing in high school. Like this is about your personal life. And what better representative of college football than Hendon Hooker to be here? So it's going to go a long way. Now, when it comes to a draft stock, it's hard. You know this, John. It's hard to put. You know somebody if they come back one hundred percent. If he's the same type of player, but in talking with people around here. They could take a flyer on them in the fifth round if they wanted to, sixth round. I had two people tell me that, uh, that potentially that happens because it's so advanced now with ACL surgeries. They, they think he'll be back maybe better than he was before. Yeah, and, and guys recover differently there. But uh, uh, Jim Nagy, just re- referencing what he said yesterday, he's a former NFL scout. Now he's running the Senior Bowl. He said that he, based on their feedback and their own scouts, they could see both Stetson Bennett and Hendon Hooker being as high as a third-round pick. He mentioned second. He, he goes, probably third-round pick if you're looking for someone that you can develop. That And if you're in a situation, Trey, where you've got multiple picks on day two and you have the ability, the great fortune, of not needing immediate help at the position. Most teams need it, need competition at, at worst. Some teams don't. Some teams can have the fortune of, well, drafting a guy and, letting him stay stay behind a relatively healthy quarterback throughout a career, that's what Hendon Hooker is going to require. Hendon Hooker is also that age where you can bring him into a, a football organization, mm-hmm. learn behind a backup for two to three years. Yeah. Um, and and I, in my opinion, play NFL football. Like, I, I think Hendon Hooker is good enough to play in the NFL. Now, what does that mean? How long is he going to play? Is he going to be a butt? I have no idea. But I think he's proven that he, he he has an arm that he can read in the defense, um, and he has the ability to scramble. And you, you put all that together, Jonathan, you've got yourself a pretty good quarterback. So you know, I I, I think overall we'll we'll see how it plays out. I think just senior bowl aside, him being here and not in Los Angeles rehabbing his knee, which he would be doing right now, I think that speaks volumes for his character and also. I'll throw another little something out there to you that he talked about going to come in the street tomorrow. Um, he had on his, you know, these kids had these wishboards uh, in college, and he was a roommate with Bayless Jones Jr. his first year. Uh, on their wishboard, Bayless and Hooker's wishboard was Senior Bowl. Huh. So he was not going to pass up the opportunity uh, to be at this event. So I, I give him a lot of credit for being here. Josh Heupel is one of at least three head coaches from the SEC present today, uh, the others being Hugh Freeze and Shane Beamer. Uh, did you get to catch up with Tennessee's head coach? Yeah, I did. I got to talk with Josh Heupel a little bit. Um, talked about the progression of, of Hendon Hooker and what he has done. And, um, you know, they're all down here. It's, it's interesting. Tennessee brought the whole staff. Like, you don't see that. Like, uh, I mean, I saw Rodney Garner, Willie Martinez, Jerry Mack, Tim Banks, Heifel, Mike Eckler. 
I don't know if Pope was here. He probably was. I just they brought the whole staff. So and that's what they do for these type of events uh, and whatnot. Bayless Jones Jr. was here, uh, supporting his former teammates and being back in his hometown. But Josh Heupel was was excited for the opportunity uh, that a lot of his players present. Byron Young, uh, Darnell Wright. You know how do those two guys play out during the week? Um, and and you know you add in what Hendon Hooker is, and you know I think Josh Heupel. He spoke very highly of it, which he knew he was going to. But they were, you know, I was I was standing behind them and, you know, they were just kind of talking about rehab and whatnot and just kept catching up with each other. You know, Hendon told him he was out in California doing his thing. And, you know, it, it kind of gives you the like the inside baseball type feel where you think some fans might think that these coaches and players like talk every single day, the ones that leave the university. But, I mean – Typo had no idea where Hooker was training and whatnot. So it's kind of cool in a sense where they, they come back and they hang out here and they have a relationship and they continue to build it. Um, if Because let, let's be honest, Jonathan, if it wasn't for Hendon Hooker, Josh Heupel wouldn't be a $9 million man. If it wasn't for Josh Heupel taking a chance on Hendon Hooker, Hendon Hooker wouldn't be at the Senior Bowl and having an opportunity to be drafted. So I think that friendship, that connection goes a very, very long way. Trey Wallace with us. Outkick.com is where you can read his work all week from the Senior Bowl. Uh, which player, Trey, do you believe has the best chance to improve their stock this week based on the fact that, unlike the Combine, these guys are going to be padded up each day? I, I look at somebody like Chris Rodriguez uh, from Kentucky. Um, he's having to answer a lot of questions down here yeah. about why he missed the first four games of the season. Chris Rodriguez was an all-SEC running back heading into the year. I think he proved it at times. But the problem is Kentucky got behind so much in games, you can't fight back with a running game. Um, so Chris Rodriguez is a guy that, that stands out to me. Um, I want to see what Jake Hayner continues to do, the Fresno State quarterback. Somebody was sitting, I, I, was, I was sitting next to T. Martin today. We were having a conversation about, um, you know, quarterbacks and how he looks. And, you know, he's a, he called Jake Hayner a second-day guy. Um, and, and just with That's his arm true. talent, his ability to get the ball down the field. Um, but he called him, you know, he's going to be somebody's, you know, project, just just like you would say, in the hooker or others. Um, but I think Hayner has a little bit better job. Um, the other one, I think, Sean Johnson, running back from Texas. I, I think there are, are holes in his game, but I do think he's such a physical running back. Um, he's going to be able to show that off here tomorrow. Uh, once they get in those full pads. So, it, you know, I, I'd say there's a few right now. Uh, there's so many darn players on the field. You know, it's hard to keep up with each one of them at, at one time. But um, I'd say those are a few that, as we stand right now that I want to see progress over the next day or so that I'm here. Um, and, and, you know, and it's not all like they're going to leave here. They're going to go back and shower. And then they're going to go interview with NFL teams for the next five hours. So it's not all fun and games when you come to Mobile. Uh, even though it's a great town. Oh, and soon they're going to have uh, new Texans head coach and new Broncos head coach, uh, uh, Sean Payton and, and D'Amico Ryans down in Houston uh, joining the fray if they're not there already uh, via private jet. Trey Wallace, our guest uh, from Mobile. I was told that could come tomorrow. Okay, yeah, it'll, it'll be happening fast. Uh, what's the atmosphere like just surrounding the game itself, the week itself, with everyone in attendance there? You know, it's 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 weird. A lot of these, you don't realize it as you, even if you cover it or if you're a fan of it. 
you don't realize how close some of these players are with each other from teams you wouldn't even think. You know, you got a Michigan player that is hugging it out. Love you, buddy. Good to see you with a Florida player. Um, I, I think that's one of the cool parts about this. Like, it brings a lot of people back together. Um, you look around this place. Uh, it is all Reese's candy. It, it, it's, <laughs> it's not to see, but it's at South, it's, it's at South Alabama's new stadium, which is beautiful. And, and, and you got two teams. I know people see it on the NFL Network. Um, but you got two teams that are battling now, different periods. And um, in the downtime of that, you got coaches that come on the field. Mike Tomlin was sitting there yelling at the offensive linemen today. Um, you know, the number of Mike Vrabel uh, down here do, doing the same. Um, things are just uh, – it's interesting when you put it all together here in Mobile with the NFL teams that are here with, you know, the news. It was funny, like the news breaks about D'Amico Ryan's. And you're down here with a thousand NFL people. All of a sudden, you just start hearing phones go off and whatnot. So it's just, it's one of those cool things about it. And you know what? The, the stories are really good here. Uh, the players are more willing to talk. And it's probably because their SIDs are not here with them uh, to keep them from being quiet. But I will say, <laughs> it is interesting to see these young men have to act on their own when they've been kind of catered to the last four years. Um, We'll have a story up sometime in the next two days. Warren McClendon is down here, uh, whose friend, tragically, Devin Woodlock, passed away um, about two weeks ago in Georgia. He was very open down here with his question. Now, he wasn't, wasn't getting into the incident and all that type mm -hmm. of stuff, but talking about his feelings and what he's going through and how hard it's been on him. Um, it's uh, it's an interesting dynamic down here, Jonathan, that um, you know that I think is going to go a long way for, for certain teams. I think you're going to see first-round draft picks out of Mobile, Alabama. Um, and, uh, you know, standing next to Mike Keith and Mike Rabel earlier this afternoon, you know, this is this is an intense situation down here, and it's a first-job interview. Well, and uh, the, the job interview goes a long way, especially given the fact that uh, – and I, I, I think it's equally as important in many cases to the combine, especially in the trenches where you can put the pads on. And if you're from a smaller school, prove that you can go up against the best talent in America at the Power Five. I think that's a huge thing. I mean, you know, you got a North Dakota State offensive line and going up against an Ohio State defensive line and just, you know, just throwing out teams. This is where you prove your point. You've got three days of practice here. Uh, tomorrow, again, they'll go pads. But you get three days of practice here where you get to show off. You get to go up against some of the best in the country. And, uh, you know, it, it, if the first-round draft picks that are out there right now, those people know that they're first-round draft picks. You know, and I think there's a couple here. This is, you know, a lot of this is who's going to be your star in the making or who's going to come in that first year as a second-round pick or a third-round pick and make a huge difference on a football team. I think that's what you see here. Um, besides a couple NFL, I think first round draft picks. So that's why this is this event is so important. This is this is a way for teams to get to know players, and this is a way for the players to truly understand an NFL organization. So it's pretty neat to see. They end up being a better roster than what we're going to see at the Pro Bowl overall. Uh, with the probably way <laughs> what are they doing? Are they doing kickball? Uh, yeah, well, yeah, flag football, which will be a better version. I mean, they were kind of already doing that, really. Uh, in right. previous years, but like Tyler Huntley, who had what two touchdown passes and three picks, 
He was named yeah. for the AFC side of the Pro Bowl today. It's just, you know, well, I think there will be more recognizable uh, stat lines at the Senior Bowl, believe it or not. That's what we've turned into and for I, the All-Star it, Game. However, the uh, Pro Bowl is going to end up getting like 5 million viewers. Yeah, and the Senior Bowl is not going to. And the Senior Bowl might get like, I don't know, 1.5 million viewers, something like that. I don't know. I'm just guesstimating here. Yeah. Um, but but if you want to see, you know, what what your next crop could look like on your football team in the NFL, I can't tell you how many, like, fantasy, like, podcast people are here and and draft fantasy, like, organizations and whatnot. It's great. A lot of – so much is on fantasy now, um, which blows yeah. my mind to where we were – five or six years ago. So it's a neat environment. We'll uh, we'll be here in Mobile for, for two more days uh, covering it. Not much goes on during the game. A lot of players, a lot of the star players actually opt out of the game, um, but a lot of stuff goes on on the field of the next two days. So we'll be here and we'll have you covered, Jonathan. Yeah, and I, I, I get the sense that a lot of future guests on the Trey Wallace podcast are in attendance. Yes, they are. I have uh, been passing out business cards like I'm a chocolate salesman. So, no, it's uh, it, it it's been it's been it's been good. Uh, it's it's been good and meeting a lot of people and, and talking with some folks and it, it, it's like one big marketing convention. Yeah, uh, that's how that's how I put the senior ball. But uh, if the you know, players are staying focused, doing their job, it's all that matters. Buddy. Marketing convention meets dating app. That is the Reese's Senior Bowl. Uh, down in Mobile. Trey, we'll be uh, checking the site, outkick.com, both uh, later this evening, tomorrow morning. We'll catch up with you tomorrow as well with the latest details. Appreciate you. Yeah, guys. Thanks for having me, Jonathan. Be good, brother. We'll talk soon. Yeah, man. Sounds good. You too. There's Trey Wallace, outkick.com, for uh, more details there on the coverage of college football meeting the NFL for the first time uh, in a group setting prior to the combine. Coming up, LeBron James has a beef and the NBA agrees with him. That's next on Outkick 360. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. So it doesn't happen often anymore. But when an NBA player believes he gets fouled, he normally, you know, the hands are up. Like, how dare uh, the officials either call this or don't call this? This past weekend, though, LeBron James has got a legitimate beef. If he makes one free throw, they're going to win the game. And instead, the Lakers lose by four in overtime based on this missed foul. This was egregious. The NFL uh, officials... um, Their union agrees with it. Uh, The NBA certainly would see this and agree with it. His antics about not getting the foul called, but also uh, Patrick Beverly coming out with a camera to show how bad this was. Uh, He received a technical for bringing this camera out to show what happened to the officials. Uh, Davey, I was telling you prior to the show, um, Derek Mason, I'm going to give him full credit, former Ravens and Titans wide receiver, was saying that Giannis, who has a very similar style to LeBron in terms of slasher, getting to the basket, trying to drive the lane, get to the rim, Giannis is fouled on average 11 times per game to LeBron's six. So when LeBron says, they're not calling enough fouls on me compared to other guys, 
I actually think he's got a beef with that, and this is case in point. Also, when you look at it, Giannis doesn't have that that entire idea around him of he's going to constantly complain, at least to the level that we have seen with LeBron over the years. And again, LeBron's been in the league a lot longer. But, I, I mean, I would give him an Academy Award for how well he did after the foul by the yeah. Celtics at the end of regulation on Saturday night. That was just magnificent. And then to put the, the icing on the cake, as you mentioned, with Pat Beverly literally taking the camera over to the ref oh, and awesome. showing him. I mean, he got teed up, and it's. I've never seen a team. This might be the first time in history a team has started overtime with a lead. <laughs> well, it very well may be, unless a coach got the technical. Uh, I can't remember the last time a player would have done that going to OT. The, the other thing to keep in mind, LeBron's been tweeting about this. He's been retweeting players that are complaining about the officials. Um, I mean, you would think, you would lean towards the best player always getting the calls. Like the quarterbacks always get the calls, the top QBs. Not the case in this in this sense, and I wonder how they end up making up for this. There will be egregious fouls called that are, you know, barely touchworthy on LeBron if they really make up for this on the opposite side. Uh, Don Mattingly, if you missed our chat with him earlier in the show, be sure to check out the Outkick 360 podcast. You can also subscribe on YouTube. Check out Outkick.com. Coming up tomorrow, Clay Travis joins us, plus Bobby Carpenter on all things college football. We'll hit the big headlines there. Hope you'll join us. We start at 3 o'clock Eastern, 2 o'clock Central for Outkick 360 across the Outkick Network.